This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Drama City Productions presets. Immersion Rig now online. Welcome nerd. Now generating episode 99. Featuring horror, comics, movies, wrestling. Full immersion begins in three, two, one. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. This is the Amazing Nerd Show. Gobble, gobble, Christian. It is Thanksgiving week. Uh, Since it is a holiday week, we are actually recording the show early, Mm -hmm. uh, Tuesday night. (laughs) So the show will be dropping early, as obviously you already know. Um, This will be an abbreviated show, since there hasn't been much news, um, and we haven't had time to review anything, so (laughs) we'll be pretty much talking, you know, the little news that we have, and, you know, we'll review uh, Survivor Series. Yes. And NXT TakeOver. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but before we get into this, let's talk Thanksgiving, Christian. This year, what are you thankful for in Nerdum currently? Currently? You know, I was in a bit of a rut gaming-wise, and now I have too many games to play. So I'm kind of thankful that I can, you know, spend this this weekend to finally, you know, put in some decent hours into all the games I have currently. Fair enough. Uh, what game is on the top of your list right now? You know, I'm still really enjoying Outer Worlds. I, I, I'm having the most fun with it, generally. Um, I think I need to get into Star Wars more. I need to pay, like, I need to just hunker down and play take a day and just really get into it fair enough um for me you know what it's we usually we don't talk wrestling at the top of the show Mm -hmm. but i love that there's like a day now in the week wednesday nights where i can actually look forward to wrestling again it's not just all doom and gloom (laughs) (laughs) that mondays would always Uh bring or you know tuesdays for that matter um, there's generally like good shows now on TV on Wednesday nights. So, um, you know, I, I actually feel optimistic about the wrestling landscape currently, you know, strangely enough. At least so. for one night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck the rest of the week. But yeah, no, Wednesday nights is the night right now. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's actually a good time to be a wrestling fan. So um, that and horror. Um, just on a side note, uh, when we're planning this episode we are looking for content and we kind of briefly batted around the idea of doing like the best of horror for the last decade you know for this decade since it is going to be like Mm -hmm. 2020 and i started like trying to just put a list together in my (laughs) head i was like holy shit there's a lot of good films that came out over the like the last 10 years where i was like we can't do it wouldn't be a abbreviated episode it would need to be like a two-parter <laughs> at least like i couldn't do like a top 10 there's no way that i could even wrap my head around just this is exactly movies. why the horror icon list got to 15 yes <laughs> yes <laughs> it would maybe be a three-parter if you will but yeah no um we're in a really good place as horror fans right now mm-hmm. um you know we've got major studio movies coming out and we've got a lot 
of great like indie art house movies coming out. So um, we're getting the best of you know all worlds right now. So um, definitely horror is on top of my list when it comes to like what I'm thankful for currently. Now that could all like shit the bed <laughs> <laughs> next year if just a few flops happen. Mm-hmm. I'm a little nervous with Doctor Sleep, you know, flopping in the at the box office. I still hope that it catches like you know some kind of steam word of mouth wise at least on like blu-ray um but yeah no i mean as long as you know these studios are invested in it Mm -hmm. you know just as horror fans we got to make sure that we're going out i just worry that you know studios take the wrong message towards successful horror films and they just start pumping out crap you know that will happen it's horror and we we just want to get it out there that did eventually happen in like the early 2000s where we started getting too much horror and just a lot of shitty horror movies rushed a lot of projects that had no reason to be greenlit getting the green light and you know me sitting through it every i mean there (laughs) there was a point in i think with like 2004 2005 where i was like almost in the theater like every weekend checking out the newest horror movie like it was that the it was that bloated um, marketplace wise mm-hmm. with horror movies so it did get a bit much because um, there was a lot of crap being pumped out by the studios but i love that we don't have to even like rely on the movie studios right now you know there's a lot of independent films getting mm-hmm. like sh- you know straight releases on video on demand it's not like a dirty word anymore you know direct to dvd um like it used to be like in the you know late 90s um you know you can actually find a lot of great movies out there um so i mean it's a great time to be a horror movie fan right now all right well you know what else i'm thankful for damon what's that christian well that would be this week's sponsor manscaped who is the best in men's below the belt grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels that's right jingle balls to the walls fellas listen up Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. So this past birthday, my wife picked me up the Manscaped 2.0. Um, you get to be middle-aged, you start looking like a Wookiee down there. Let me tell you, it changed our lives, Christian. Well, that's why this revolutionary company, Manscaped, has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The lawnmower 2.0 comes inside the Perfect Package 2.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut-free, and smelly nice down there. And don't use the same trimmer on your face that you use on your balls. That's just gross. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 also includes a crop preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and a moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And yes, fellas, your balls do stink. Hey, speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, I'm thankful for the Crop Reviver. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, keep your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood, if you know what I mean. The perfect package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs. They'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those used pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxer briefs. Tis the season of Manscaped, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, and your friends the best gift of all. 
the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Right now, you get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscapes.com. Your balls will thank you. That's right, fellas. Get 20% off and free shipping using the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code BIGHEADS. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Ho, ho, ho. Before we get into the news, if you're liking what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you enjoy most. We're on everything. And while you're at it, help further support the show by giving us a five-star review. Yes, let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors and nerd them. We are not mild-mannered reporters. We are mere podcasters with opinions. All right, starting off this week, Michael B. Jordan met with Warner Brothers on a new vision for Superman. So according to Variety, the studio is trying to find a way to make Superman relevant for modern audiences. Um, and they've even spoken to like J.J. Abrams, um, which makes sense since he's now like underneath their umbrella. Um, Michael B. Jordan was on top of the list. They have met, uh, but there is a little bit of a hiccup just because of Michael B. Jordan's like, you know, his schedule is like full <laughs> for the next like five years because he's a great actor. Um, and they want to get the film out by 2023. Okay. And they're not even in, like, production. They, I don't think there's a script or anything. So that's going to be kind of hard if he's, you know, super busy mm-hmm. right now. Um, what are your thoughts about Michael B. Jordan possibly picking up the cape? Um, I think he'd be a great choice as an actor and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I'm still interested in seeing... Like him play a different character in general, okay. like I I was originally thinking you know Green Lantern, John but, Stewart, yeah John Stewart. But. <laughs> we both just were a John Stewart movie really really Probably. bad at this point. <laughs> um, but uh, well, if you listen to the podcast, you know at this point that me and Christian aren't necessarily the biggest Superman fans. Mm. Um, do you feel like part of your hesitation is just not being a huge Superman fan? Like you, I mean. It's possible. I think another part is like, I don't know what this modern retake is going to be for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't have a whole lot of faith in Warner Brothers as a studio yet. No. You know, Joker was great, but that doesn't change the, all the mistakes they've made with Superman in the past. So. Yes. Yes. They've definitely struggled with the Man mm-hmm. of Steel, you know, as of late. Um, He's I, a hard character to get. He's a hard character to, you know, make relatable and... Um, you know, when you've got this all-powerful being, you know, it's kind of hard. He has no flaws. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why he isn't relatable, at least for me. So, I mean, they and they mess with his, like, power set and everything like that. Sometimes he was a little more, like, he has a few weaknesses mm-hmm. here and there. Other times, he, he's just a god, you know. And, like, what's the point of these stories if there's never a time where your hero's ever really in peril? So, um, I don't know. I, I I feel like Michael B. Jordan at this point, though, as an actor, wouldn't come on a project unless, you know, it was a great script or, you know, he was promised something. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, the Fantastic Four movie happened. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let me pump the brakes on that. But I feel like he's, right now, he's super hot. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the fan backlash will be insane just from, you know, a certain sect of fans. Mm-hmm. Um, which is unfortunate. Uh, you know, for me, it doesn't matter 
you know, the race of Superman, at least the color of his skin. As long as he's Kryptonian, it really doesn't matter. You know, he's Superman. He's not white man. You know, his his skin color has nothing to do with the character. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but I can already, like, you know, picture the comments in my head, you know, and all the fan sites and everything. So, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. So, and it, I mean, Michael B. Jordan is, you know, best suited for the job. Then give it to him. Who cares? Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. It, it could be a complete non-story, honestly. <laughs> well, it's it's just interesting to see, you know, DC seems to have a lot of things on their mind right now. I, I like that they're pushing forward a schedule in general. We don't know what it is just yet, but I could see with um, their plans with Batman that we're getting so far. Um, and like one of our stories that we're talking about today, which is um, all the spinoffs that they're thinking of doing with Batman. Well, it sounds like they're open. I feel like that's going to inspire a lot of like creative choices mm-hmm. um, for these well-established characters, which is a good thing. Yeah, but not only that, this is the easiest way to build a franchise. Mm-hmm. This is kind of what they should have done in the beginning. You start off with a film that introduces a character that here and there, and then you and then you spread out from there. You know, it's 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 easy. They kind of <laughs> they kind of did things backwards. Yes. So um yeah I mean we'll see we'll see and I like I said I mean I think we talked about it before I don't need these movies to connect mm. you know these can be all standalone stories as long as long as they're good films that's all I mm. care about so all right uh let's move on what do we got next we have a lot of DC news this week so um moving on John Tutorials cast as Carmine Falcone in the Batman. Christian, how did he feel about this casting? Uh, I mean, I think you know my reaction. I haven't seen him in anything that hasn't been a comedy uh-huh. or where he's, you know, getting pushed around a lot as a character in general. So I guess, I don't know. Big Lebowski's not getting pushed around. I, yeah, it's still, he's still being a wacko. <laughs> yeah, but what? So, okay. You feel like he's too much of a comedic actor for the role? For me, yes. Okay, but Carmine Falcone, like, what is what he, says to you that he can't have a comedic element to him? I I don't believe that he can't, and I still think it'll work. It just wasn't what I pictured. It's not your first choice. Yes, exactly. I love John Totoro, <laughs> so I'm totally fine with him. Mm-hmm. You know, having any role in this film, he's a great actor. So, um, and I don't like hold, you know, Carmine to any kind of like (laughs) pedestal where I feel like, oh, he's got to be portrayed a certain way. So, um, I think he'll bring a lot actually to the character. So, cause he's kind of like a cookie cutter gangster type. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think he'll add a little dimension to him. So I'm fine with it. Totally. As long as there's a, a, I guess a dangerous street level vibe to it at some points, where he's not just a punchline, literal punchline for Batman. You know, it's... I think, man, you just... Have you literally only seen, like, the Transformers movies with him in it? No, I've seen plenty <laughs> of comedies with him in it. Is that all you're basing this off of? <laughs> I I believe the man can act. Uh-huh. I, I don't have a problem I mean, he's it. a Coen Brothers guy, so yes. of course he can act. <laughs> So, um, all right. Well, but you kind of talked about it before. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's been rumors, I guess, that the Batman film could lead to multiple spinoff movies um, for Catwoman, Riddler, and the Penguin, and who knows who else Mm -hmm. is in this movie, because it sounds like it's basically all of Batman's rogue gallery right now. 
Um, what are your thoughts about that? We've heard, I guess, even with uh, last week with the Joker sequel, like rumor and speculation that was going around, they talked about, you know, possibly doing like all these origin mm. stories for villains now. Um, I feel like that's too form- formulaic. Um, but, you know, if this is coming from an organic place where, I don't know, the movie kind of leads itself to these, you know, kind of stories for the individual villains. I feel like I'm okay with that. Um, but it's got to be something where the movie ends and I want to see more for each villain yes. where it makes sense. Um, are you on board with that? Um, I am to an extent. I don't want them to overdo it. You know, mm. I don't need like... It feels like Sony with like <laughs> Spider-Man, with the Amazing Spider-Man, yes. where they're like, we're going to do a Sinister Six movie. And, and you each know, character's going to get a movie. And, and how about Aunt May? You know, like... <laughs> It just felt like such a cash grab with, you know, Sony. Mm-hmm. I hope that it's not more the same here with Warner Brothers. And like, like we I made can... a bunch of money with the Joker, so now this is going to be how mm-hmm. all our movies are. We're going to tell villain stories. Like, I think there's a clear story for Catwoman going on behind that, beyond, you know, the Batman. And, stuff. and we haven't seen what they're doing with the Batman so far. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, there's easy stories to tell with some of these characters. And I just, it, where it will be... Something that I think enriches their universe that they're creating Mm -hmm. um, instead of, you know, just throwing out money and trying to receive more. Yeah, I agree with Catwoman, but like the Riddler, I don't know what that story would be. You know, I know he has this uh, abusive, you know, home life, you know, when he was a child growing Mm -hmm. up. But I don't know if I'm really interested in like, you know, the Riddler's origin story where I feel like a whole movie needs to be like dedicated to that story. So maybe they got something, but once again, that feels like they're just trying to fit into that formula mm-hmm. that the Joker kind of laid out for them. They're really trying to marry both, you know, concepts, mm-hmm. which yeah. I, I mean, I, I appreciate the efforts. I just don't know. I'm, I, I want to see how they execute it. You know, that's just at the end of the day, I can't really say anything until I see what they're putting out as a work it, until I see the Batman, which, you know. After the millionth casting news that we get from it, I might have an idea of what the story looks <laughs> it's like. It's still but... two years out. Exactly. <laughs> you know, my my thing is, like, you know, with art, like, I feel like, you know, with movies especially, it needs to come from a holistic place where it's, like, script first. Mm. Where if, like, some script writer has a great story he wants to tell, you know, for these characters, and it, you know, happens to go across one of these Warner Brother executives, you know, desks and it sounds like a great film, then fine. But if it's just like, okay, well, we've got to go ahead and do X, Y, and Z because, you know, A, B, and C was so, you know, profitable, mm. then I just feel like it's flawed from the get-go. Um, but, you know. I mean, I just know. off the back with, like, Colin Farrell as the Penguin, I are, I can already picture them like, oh, we're going to do a whole Origin series with Colin Farrell as Penguin and stuff like that. I can I can picture their mindsets when they do these types of castings and stuff like that. That movie, the Batman movie, then, I mean, I don't even know how it's going to fit. Like, it's got to have so much meat on the bone for Mm -hmm. each of these characters where it's going to leave you, like, at the end of this movie, wanting to see all these stories. And And I can't imagine that. Now we're quickly, like, reapproaching Justice League. We're reapproaching Batman versus Superman, where, you know, they're rushing all these characters onto the screen, and we're not going to, like, it's just not well written enough or well, Well like, constructed. Um, and bloated, you know. 
So now, I, I for some reason, we always end up bringing up just, mm-hmm. <laughs> it all comes back to Justice League. <laughs> so, but yeah, no. Um, but Snyder cut's still not happening. <laughs> <laughs> there was something else that just came out this week, more about the Snyder cut, like mm. how like it's not. Even, I think for fa- some fans are thinking that like it's just like a done deal in the can somewhere where half of the That's scenes for his version of the film were never mm-hmm. shot. So I think people are coming to that realization that that's not the case, you yeah, know, that you're going to have like a bunch of scenes like cut in, like we were kind of talking about mm-hmm. last week with like storyboards and bad CGI. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I think fans are in for a lot of disappointment when it comes to the Snyder. No, I think uh, Danny Elfman said it best so far in an article where he's like, you know, this wasn't like he just quit and ran off and we changed his whole story. This was, you know, just passed on, you know, as a as a natural progression. This wasn't like we screwed the guy over mm-hmm. in our story. It's know? not like he had his film done mm-hmm. and then he left. Exactly. And then they reshot a bunch of stuff. The film wasn't completed. <laughs> so that's the big flaw with the whole idea of the Snyder Cut. So unless, like... Snyder has this version of the film that he feels like he can put together quickly that would be an actual like feel like an actual film. I don't I don't see it happening. Do you think they they would go Watchmen make it all animated? I don't know. I don't know unless he's just trying to get them to like reshoot shit, which I can't imagine Warner Brothers wanting mm. to like opening that open that can of worms. At the end of the day, it's not you know, Warner Brothers is about money, and this is not going to make them anywhere near what they would yeah. expect or would want. it does feel like a vocal minority at mm-hmm. this point. You know, I mean, they're very vocal, but I still feel like it's a minority that's still, like, hung up on this. So, um, all right. Well, moving on to more DC news, Black Adam will reportedly include Dr. Fate. Um, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool character. I don't know much about mm. Dr. Fate. Um, they don't really speculate what version of the character also is going to be in the film. That's There's multiple point. versions of the character out there. Um, but, you know, I always equated Dr. Fate to being kind of like DC's Dr. Strange. So, I mean, it would make sense since, you know, Black Adam is a magic-based character mm-hmm. that, you know, Dr. Fate would eventually pop in. Now, I, I did find it interesting, uh, something that we were talking about last week when, you know, the date dropped for uh, Black Adam was we were trying to figure out whether or not this movie would actually be directly tied into Shazam. Um, in this article that we have here, that we pulled from comicbook.com, um, they do state that, in fact, the Black Adam movie will take place in the same universe that the Shazam movie takes place in. So um, I've got mixed feelings about that. You know, I was hoping for like a much darker take on the character. Um, and maybe we still get that. And it just so happens that, you know, Zach Levi has to bounce off that world. But I don't feel like that's going to be, like, The Rock's bag. You know, he's going to definitely go, like, kind of we're talking, it's going to be, like, a straight, like, PG-13 mm-hmm. movie, maybe with a little bit of an edge, um, you know, which for me is unfortunate, yeah. but I, I get it. I do feel like Dr. Fate opens up this idea to do more Justice League, like, dark-type characters and stuff like that going forward. If they wanted to do kind of, like, the Justice League dark team that they, you know, 
they had plans for a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, when they I think Del Toro was like, yeah, Del Toro was actually attached to it at one point. Mm-hmm. So, and well, there another news item that came out this week was that uh, they are going to be pushing for an R rating when it comes to uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad and then the Birds of Prey film that's mm-hmm. coming out in February. So, after the success of the Joker, they're not scared anymore to go rated R, um, which makes perfect sense for both of those movies. Um, so. When I heard that, I was like, right away, I started thinking about Black Adam. You know, mm-hmm. that'd be great as a rated R <laughs> film, but... I I don't um, think you're going to get that just because they want to stick with that Shazam story. Yeah. Um, it did well. It Shazam did well for them, and it no. was an okay film. I know. <laughs> That's not my issue with it. It's mm. just the tone of Black Adam. I mean... He's a pretty fucking hardcore character. I agree. I I just have a hard time wrapping my head around that character existing. You know, the character I, the version of the Mm. character I want to see existing in that movie's universe. No, man, that would have been Idris Elba and (laughs) like a rated R Black Adam film. Yes. That would have been badass. But no, it's it's The Rock. He's going to have some playful charm and um, we'll see how that goes. We will. We will. All right, let's move on to some horror news. Yes. Uh, Elizabeth Banks will direct and star in Invisible Woman for Universal. So yeah, The Invisible Man isn't even out yet, but it sounds like they are doubling down on the whole concept, and uh, they are going to be giving us an Invisible Woman movie. So I've seen the original Invisible Woman movie. Um, I don't remember anything about it. I think she was like a model or something. Um, It wasn't very good. But they must have an idea for it, I'm guessing. Um, especially since they, I mean, Elizabeth Banks is already like tied to it. Um, it, it sounds like, well, The Hollywood Reporter is saying that tone-wise it's going to be Thelma Louise meets American Psycho. Which sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know necessarily how that will work. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I I want to see them tackle <laughs> the other awesome monsters yeah. <laughs> that they have. But maybe I'm wrong. Uh, we got Paul Feig's Dark Army uh, movie. And then we also have, um, we heard that James Wan is going to be doing a Frankenstein mm-hmm. film. Um, at least producing a Frankenstein film. So, um, hey man, more the merrier. As long as it's an awesome concept, I'm all for it. Um, I know she recently was kind of getting a bad rap for uh charlie's angels yes um just from fans is it just i mean was it just poorly reviewed yeah it's you know know not enough people yeah not enough people were going out there so when they were interviewing her about the flop in general you know she just made comments saying um you know the only reason it failed was because male audiences don't want to see a female action film uh which is not true but yeah (laughs) in the slightest yeah, I feel like there's lots of successful mm-hmm. female-led action films, right? Yes. So that's uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not gonna hold. It. Everyone has a bad day, <laughs> so let's not hold that against her. I have not seen Charlie's Angels. I know it review-wise. What? How was it critically accepted? Uh, it's, it's got very middling ground numbers-wise. I mean, uh, we got 54 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, 51 on Metacritic. So okay, All you know, right. half well. people, <laughs> half the people liked it, and half the people didn't mm-hmm. like it. It is what it is. So um, I enjoy her as an actress. Mm. I feel like she'd probably be a good fit for the role. Um, Not knowing what the hell the script is, but I could definitely see her working in that role. Um, Hey, man, like I said, I'm all for it. 
All right, next up we have Dr. Sleep's Mike Flanagan has a pitch for New Nightmare on Elm Street film. Um, And that's basically the story. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he like posted something on Twitter mm-hmm. that he has an idea for the film. Um, we know that Wes Craven's estate has recently regained the rights to the movie. It feels like every week we have someone else stepping up saying, hey, we're interested. I'm sure they're going to be fielding a lot of different pitches over the next year or so. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of want Del Toro to do a pitch. If, if we're just throwing out directors at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have to actually want to yes. do that. <laughs> we can't volunteer. Like, what if I got someone direct- with an idea for like monsters and practical effects... That's that's usually one of my go-to guys. I could see that working. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I don't know. Mike Flanagan, I feel like, could have a really interesting take on the character. I, I really love what Mike Flanagan's been doing in like the world of horror, you know, as of recently. Um, I feel like he's just got a great vision when it comes to horror. So I, I'm all for him tackling, mm-hmm. you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. I think he'll bring something new and fresh. Um, he doesn't do cookie cutter. Um, you know, horror is not an equation to him. You know, he doesn't sit there and worry about like, okay, well, it's been five minutes, so we have to have another scare. A lot of his, you know, a lot of his horror um, is all about the moment and, you know, happens naturally as the story progresses. Uh, I think that could really work well, you know, for Freddy. So I'm all for it. And I think, you know, people would pay like, would really be getting behind this if more people had seen Dr. Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that being said, he is still pretty hot. I mean, mm-hmm. Hill House was a huge hit. So I think, you know, people would definitely, and he's got the, I guess the um, next season's coming out in, within the next oh, okay. year. So, you know, he's still a big name out there. So I don't think Dr. Sleep would, is going to hurt him so much. And it, that movie's been so critically acclaimed. And mm-hmm. the audiences who actually saw the movie did like it so hopefully it won't you know go against him too much when it comes to this but like i said i'm sure every you know horror director out there is going to have a pitch for you know <laughs> the craven estates right now um if you had to pick a modern horror director who would you pick to uh, either do a pitch or even try to direct this film uh how fucked up would it be to see an ari Esther helmed nightmare in Elm street you know um I think the nightmare sequences alone would make me just not want to sleep ever again. <laughs> so I, I do hear that. Um, I do feel like there needs to be a little, like, you know, I need a little camp from Friday here and there, mm-hmm. just for nostalgia's sake. But Ari Esther, like, a totally, like, serious, fucked up version of, you know, Freddy Krueger. My God. That is, that is truly what nightmares are made out of. So I can't even imagine what that would look like. I mean, right now, I think I'm up for anything. I feel like I'm personally ready for a new freddy film yeah it's been 10 years right Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's it's fucking time at this point so it's been way too long all right well speaking of horror we also had a trailer come out recently uh for antebellum Thank you. 
All right, a successful author, Veronica, finds herself trapped in a horrifying reality and must uncover the mind-bending mystery before it's too late. And this is co-directed by Gerard Bush and Christopher Renz and co-written by Gerard Bush and Christopher Renz. Yes, it's being produced by the same studios that did Get Out and Us. Um, it has that kind of that kind of shoot style, at least um, cinematography feel-wise, that we've seen so far. Okay, okay. I did not pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Um I just sat through the trailer, and it's more of a teaser than a trailer. Um, I thought it was a well-done trailer. I had no clue what the fuck was going on. Um, It looks like it's taking place during, like, Civil War times, but then it, like, jumps to modern times, and then it seems like there's kind of a, I don't know, like a time jump mashup happening where... But the trailer really, like, it, it's truly a mystery. You have no clue what the hell's mm-hmm. going on. But it was effective. And I was like, okay, well, I, I want to see more. I want to know more. I want to see a full trailer, God damn it! So uh, this is coming out in April, I believe. Yes, April 24th. Um, I don't know, man. It, it, it was a really well done trailer. I thought uh, the music was super effective, mm-hmm. too. But... Th- th- yeah, I have no clue what the hell's going on in this movie. <laughs> so I, I, the blurb gave me more than the trailer actually yeah, did. Absolutely. Um, I'm just wondering, it's like if it's someone that's like trying to uncover a mystery. Is the mystery like is what she's going through? Is she like, you know, being transported to the past and then going to the future? Because that's the kind of vibe I got when they do the pan from her in the fields to the sky, mm-hmm. and you see the plane going in and out. Yes. Yes. That's. that's what but I it looks thinking. like some of the characters are reacting to the plane yeah. in the sky. And I don't know if it's just the way they edit it together. Um, but yeah, it seems like, you know, the time is line is like kind of merging or something's mm-hmm. happening weird. So, um, but it, it's a cool concept if that is the case of what's happening or if it's just a really well edited, you know, <laughs> <laughs> trailer. But like I said, I was totally like, okay, well, I was upset when it ended. I was like, oh, it's only a minute long. Are you mm. fucking kidding me? God damn it, Christian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you brought it to my attention because I haven't mm. heard anything about this at all. And of course I see like Get Out and Us and I'm like, Jordan Pill has a new movie coming out. I haven't heard about it. But I mean, it's yeah, smart I- marketing. So <laughs> I don't blame him for that. Uh, but yeah, no, I I will definitely be keeping an eye out for, you know, the full trailer. And, you know, I mean, Jesus, I, I hope, mm-hmm. you know, it's more of the same. I mean, as I saw this advertised around, uh, the marketing was very much focused on Get Out and Us. And I was like, are they just, is this going to be one of those times where it's, you know, they're just playing off the names mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But this looks genuinely interesting. And that's why I had to bring it to your attention. Yeah, it's not always, it's not always a bad thing when they do mm-hmm. that. But yeah, there's a lot of times where it's just, you know, trying to bait audiences into thinking like, oh yeah, this is like the creative minds where mm-hmm. it's really just someone who threw some money into the pot, <laughs> you know? And I don't know if that's the case here, but I don't know, man. It it looks like a fun kind of mystery that I could get into. So I, I dig movies like that where you really don't know what the fuck is going on exactly. until like maybe the end of the movie. You're still <laughs> not sure. I want more open-ended type films like that. So I feel like we don't get that much anymore in Hollywood. So hopefully this is that. Yes. You well, know? This is definitely something we're going to keep an eye on. Yeah. All right, Christian. It's your favorite part of the show, Christian's Corner. That's right, Damon. It's everyone's favorite part of the show. It's my corner, and we're going to talk about the future of Let's gaming. Pump the brakes, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Yes. Um, 
Stadia came out, Google's um, online streaming gaming service, uh, plus slash console, uh, that they were releasing. Um, two, of course, very low <laughs> um, ratings so far. I mean, it's the beginning of a console in general. There's going to be bugs. There's going to be stuff that doesn't work just right. But their main thing that they were promoting was that it was going to be like a lag-free experience. For the first time, you'll have a cloud gaming service uh, you know, with no lag, you know, you'll you'll hit a button and the game will work. Yeah. Is that not the case? No. Yeah, you hit the space bar and it takes about ten seconds for them to jump or so. So it's just like Oh. There'd well, be quite the lag. Yeah, some people would be getting some terrible lag, some others would be getting less. You know, it's uh cloud gaming's hard to get down. And, you know, you have to have a lot of server power for that. But not only that, it, when they did the initial release, um, the console was kinda like they, you know, instead of everyone just being able to get it day one, they shipped it in order. So whoever ordered it first got it first, you know, and that's just how the shippings work. So if you ordered it like 10 days from the first person, you're probably going to get it 10 days later than they did. You know, it's, it, okay. it's, it's kind of a ridiculous thing, but in a way kind of smart in my eyes. I'm thinking, you know, this is a way to like slowly build people onto your servers and such. But the server still didn't, you know, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of sucks. But, you know, this is kind of what you would expect at the beginning of, like, these types of services and such. You know, it's not going to be perfect. No gaming console has ever been perfect since day one. Um, it's, it's just how it is. Um, so, with that in mind, next year, even more companies want to join in on this type of gaming. Um, it seems Amazon is going to be the next big leader and making a cloud gaming service um and you know that's of course people with that kind of money is inspiring um everyone to do it you know verizon's now starting to uh, come up with one uh it's it's interesting that so many people are going into this market when there hasn't been you know a proven formula for it just yet but i mean you get this type of technology where you can just you know pick up your phone you're playing a triple a game from your phone to your TV to your laptop, you know, across the board. And if you get it to work, I mean, that's beautiful. That's, that's something that could really be nice. And you could create almost the, you know, Netflix of gaming in that process. But, you know, when you're like something like where Google Stadia, you know, they're asking you to own only Google products and to buy some uh, $130 you know, um, gaming system. Don't tell me what to do with my life. <laughs> exactly. Um, for old games that have already come out and you've already played it by this point. You know, it's... That's a bit much. It's a bit much. Google kind of had the wrong idea when they first started. They should have got a lot of more... They should have, you know, used that Google money, you know, got some studios to make some brand new games for them that would be exclusive to their title and every, their console and everything. And that probably would have worked out a little bit better. The games were the sucked because they can't be played but <laughs> beyond that so i think if the other companies kind of learn from the mistakes that google has made maybe there could be more of a future in cloud gaming um but right now you know google isn't being that kind of console killer that they said that they were going to be you know um and xbox and playstation are quickly approaching their cloud streaming services so it's kind of like this just seems to be where gaming is heading in general you know it's no longer going to be just a dedicated console in your living room it's going to be a service that goes across all your devices and it, it, it seems logical enough um 
but we'll see how much they kind of like put into this and really make it work for once. Because in the past, cloud gaming used to be the shits. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, you the problems that Google's facing now are no different than they were 10 years ago. So it's just... So what makes like PlayStation and Xbox think that they're going to be able to perfect cloud gaming? I think it's because they've had so many years building the infrastructure for gaming in general. Like, um, the service behind cloud gaming, a lot of it has to do with almost um, predicting the, uh, your, the player's movements and stuff like that. So that even if they um, hit the button, it will, you know, instead of lag, it will just predict what you're doing and play it straight. This is the type of shit they're having to come up with wow. to try to combat lag and stuff like that. But what I think the new consoles and um, what Xbox and PlayStation have for them is that they have millions of servers. They've been working on this very type of thing for years, you know, making sure that games work properly online. You know, Xbox, while I don't have one now, has had amazing online services for years, you know, um, the Xbox 360 when I had it, you know, was the like best place to play online for the longest time. You know, that's you know, there's a sense of quality and already you have so much brand loyalty behind all your stuff. I mean, that's why you know Apple is such the co company that it is today. You know, it's because it's got so much brand loyalty behind it uh -huh. that it can afford to make something with an infrastructure. Uh, that will work more properly and be quality. That being said, I know a lot of gamers who have like mm -hmm. you know multiple systems. So, but there are like certain gamers who only like you know stay true to one brand. Yes. Okay. It's right. interesting because it feels like as a gamer <laughs> you're gonna want the best of both worlds. Yes. You know, but I mean that's expensive. Yeah. No. I <laughs> yes. No. I get it. So. But yeah, that does it for my corner. Let's get into wrestling. Hey, look, I'll be honest with you, Ray. Last night, more than anybody, you let all of us down. I beat Brock Lesnar two times this year, brought the title back to Raw. You couldn't even get the job done with the lead pipe and your stupid kid helping you out. Damon, we survived Survivor Series weekend. We did. I know at the top of the show, I talked about being thankful for Wednesday nights. Um, well, with that being said, this weekend was definitely a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. um, so let's get into it. Uh, we had NXT War Games. War Games. On Saturday. I <laughs> loved the announcer for NXT when she would like say War Games and let out this like growl. Yeah. I was like, she's fantastic. She needs to announce all the shows. Um, is she new? I, I, she's new. She's been on NXT though for a while. She bit. has yeah. been? Okay. Maybe I just, it was just the way she said War Games actually like captured my attention. <laughs> I was like, I'm ready for war games now. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk it. Let's talk war games. Uh, what What was our first match? What, do you want to talk about overall thoughts first? How do we usually... What's the formula we have for this first <laughs> We go right into it, but we can talk overall thoughts. Yeah. Um, Over, I enjoyed it more mm -hmm. than I thought I was going to enjoy. I felt like, you know, when we were talking about this last week, it felt kind of lost in the shuffle. 
um, just with all the Survivor Series and NXT being part of it, um, it felt like this was very like secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I thought it was you know a well booked show overall. Um, I, what were your thoughts? No, I I I feel like NXT really just delivered what they would usually deliver. You know, um, I was very surprised. I was like, this is such a thrown together pay per view, but it still felt extremely entertaining. Yes. So I was I was enjoying it till the end, so. Yes. Um I think it was the last uh takeover where I was actually not impressed with. It was like mm. the first one that I can remember where I was just I felt like it was a little lackluster. This was not the case with War Games. So, all right, well let's get into it. Yeah, so first up we have Angel Garza going up against Isaiah Swerve Scott. Angel Garza has a huge upside. He's got so much charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he's destined to be a star, at least on the NXT brand. So, um, and he he's he's quite the worker. So I feel like he's got a huge future at, ahead of him. I'm still not a hundred percent sold, but I, I'm sure Is it the pants gimmick is that the problem? <laughs> Probably. Really? <laughs> I don't know, man. Just I mean, the way he's in the ring and he works the crowd and everything like that. He's got tons of charisma. Mm, I can tell. I mean, I can tell that his charisma is off the charts. I just, I don't know. Sometimes he just is a little too, eh, too baby face. Maybe I don't know. Too baby face, but perhaps since he's supposed to be a heel, is that your issue? Technically, right? Because he is supposed to be kind of a heel, but he comes off. He's getting a baby face reaction. (laughs) So, all right. Well, I get that. Mm. But, you know, it is what it is. Eddie Eddie, uh, used to be accused of that back in the day, too. Mm. So, um, but, you know, I mean. Too likable for his own good. Yes, right. (laughs) (laughs) He had people in the palm of his hands, though. So, um, but all right. Let's talk about the War Games match. The first first match up. We had the women's first War Games match with Team Ripley featuring Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, and Dakota Kai. Going up against Team Baszler with Shayna Baszler, Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, and Kaylee Ray. Dan, what did you think of this match? So right off the bat, I was kind of annoyed because apparently there was an angle shot in the pre-show where Mia Yim was injured somehow. Um, they didn't really get into it though, so you're kind of like left looking it up to see what the fuck happened. Uh, but to Dakota Kai ended up taking her place Mm -hmm. which it felt like we're gonna get there just the way that they kind of been booking her like story the past you know month and everything trying to join one of these teams um so it made sense I just wish we could have seen it like play out um but uh you know I I I liked the way the match started um I thought there was, you know, a lot of heat between both teams, mm-hmm. um, which felt kind of surprising because I did feel like this was one of the matches that felt a little thrown together. But, um, you know, and I really dug the Dakota Kai heel turn. So I, it felt like that was one, uh, you know, it, it felt predictable, like you knew it was going to happen. But predictable isn't necessarily always bad. You know, if it makes sense for the story, yes. it's okay to track it. Like, okay, yeah, logically, this is where this was going to go. Doesn't mean it's going to be less of a story because you can kind of see where, you know, the next chapter is going. Um, you know, and I think this was the case here. Um, I liked, you know, just, I mean, how it was executed, how vicious she was, you know, um, atta- uh, attacking uh, Tegan Knox, um, And it definitely left you wanting to see more, you know, between the two. 
No, I thought it was well done. I, I really... I, I liked seeing this edge from her because she's been such a baby face character mm-hmm. since joining NXT. Yeah, no, uh, I thought so it was. Well done. It was definitely fun. Like, uh, I I was surprised to not see her actually join the match though. I thought she might like help out Baszler's team or something um, in the end, but I, I mean that wasn't part of their storyline, so it you, didn't really make sense. I feel like if it, it, the odds would just be too unsurmountable, mm. you know, if that was the case. Um, it re- like at first I thought we we're gonna get a total like I think God man it must have been like 1998 where it was um the Horseman versus the NWO. Kurt Henning was part of the Horsemen, and then he like betrayed the team during the match, and then like joined the NWO mm. in the cage, just decimating the Horsemen. So I thought we we're gonna go that route. I was happy to see that they didn't go that route; that they were just kind of like you know at a disadvantage for the entire match. This was definitely this whole weekend was the Rhea Ripley like yeah. show, you know. <laughs> so they are super high mm-hmm. on her, um, which is great to see. So, I mean, she's super talented, and, I mean, she definitely was left to shine here, um, you know, during this during this match. So, um, yeah, they booked her really strong, and I feel like it, it, it paid off. They made her a star this week. Absolutely. I'm definitely a bona fide fan. Uh, there was points where I was, you know, I was, I was kind of hoping there might, like, they would show Rhea and Candice Lee Ray in a little bit more dire straits during the match. I mean, they were two against four. But they did seem to be like kicking some major ass at that point. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, I I don't know. I don't know. It, it didn't bother me too much. But you're right. You know, mm-hmm. they really didn't feel like their backs were that against the wall at times. So um, the heels really didn't take advantage of their disadvantage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it felt like um, Eo is interesting because like I was surprised that they had the heel. You know, getting the major high spot in the match. Um, the fans are so behind her and mm-hmm. like, I guess why, you know, refuse it. But at the same time, you know, I, I feel like if she's going to work as a heel, they need to do a little more with her. Um, Cause that could so, have easily have been Candace's spot. Yes, exactly. They need to do a little more with her to actually get mm-hmm. real heat. Cause right now it feels like she's getting such a baby face reaction. I don't know if it's really helping her character at all. So, um, but yeah, I, I, that's my only real like qualm with the match. So, but yes, obviously Rhea Ripley went over, mm-hmm. um, you know, and she would continue to go over all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So moving on. Yes. We had the triple threat match between Pete Dunne, uh, Damian Priest and Killian Dane for the NXT number one contendership. Um, I thought it was an okay match. Um, it, it was probably my least favorite match on the mm-hmm. card, honestly. Um, you know, I, it, triple threat matches are always hard to pull off. Um, I I was kind of finding myself wishing it was just like a one-on-one match, you know, between like Damian Preach and uh, Pete Dunne. Killing Dane just hasn't done anything for me. Um, like, I like the idea of him, mm-hmm. but I just, I don't know. He hasn't done anything to really like, you know, hook me at this point. So, but I, I love watching Pete Dunne. You know, he's fantastic. And Priest did impress me here. Um, you know, I, you know, the Archer of Infamy, <laughs> even though I have to hear that like five times, you know, at least a match. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I kind of got what WWE is seeing in him because I've had no exposure 
to him gotcha. at all. No until punishment NXT. Martinez yes. run? No, not at all. So, and his gimmick is so annoying to me that I just <laughs> can't get over it. But during this match, I was like, okay, I, I get it, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I was happy to see Pete Dunne go over. Mm. I, I just, Killian Dane didn't do too much for this match for me in general. Like, I was expecting at least a little bit more offense from him. I was, like, it. he just felt very, like, thrown into mm-hmm. this. Um, so it, I just didn't understand it. I really didn't. Like, why he needed to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. So unless they just didn't have faith in, you know, Priest at this point, which seems weird. So They had to have had some because Priest is on the main Survivor Series team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can hide a lot. True. With a five man team. So <laughs> and he didn't last very long no. either. Um, all right, well moving forward, Finn Balor versus Matt Riddle. Um, you know, I'm still not into Matt Riddle. <laughs> really? Is it just the character? I don't know if it's just the character. I mean, I and we'll we'll get into it during Survivor Series, because I thought that was amazing. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. But um I don't know. It the match was kind of like I don't want to say slow, but there was just points where I just didn't feel like this was what I wanted out of a Balor match in general. You know, pacing-wise, I will say it was the most main roster mm-hmm. of the matches on this card. You know, just the, the way the match flowed overall. Um, I did like that Balor seemed to open up his arsenal more. And we were seeing moves from him that we didn't get yes. on the main roster. I like all the new stuff he's doing. Yes. Well, I think a lot of the new stuff is old stuff mm. that he used to well, do. Yes. yes. So I, I I dug that. Um, you know, and I just love the idea of a heel, you know, um, Finn Balor. But, you know, and I love Matt Riddle's ring work, but I agree with you character wise, it's hard for me to get into him just because he's so obnoxious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, you know, and just, even his music just sounds like he just sounds like a bad like '90s version, like a ripoff version of like you know Rob Van Dam. You know that, that really feels like what his character is like really mm-hmm. based on, and it just it's not working for me. But man, when that bell rings, like I can watch that guy all day long. Um, you know, the bro to sleep and the, uh, the bro hammer. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did pop for those. I think I'm... I haven't seen them commit enough for Balor. Like, it felt like he was still this kind of in between. Like, I don't know what I'm they necessarily to, doing yet. They need to stop with the entrance. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Um, they kind of turn off the lights. But he doesn't need to be throwing his fucking hands up. No. Like, you know? I liked it at first, the concept, but then when he went to do it a second time, I was just like, I don't get it. Yeah. You know, like, I got, like, him, like, all the lights on me, and then I felt like that should have been it. Yes. 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 And then kind of thumb your nose at the crowd and mm-hmm. move on. I felt like that should be it. But, you know, I mean, this is, we were talking about off mic. The one thing that's kind of like, now that I'm watching NXT Weekly... The one thing that's kind of grating on me is these overproduced fucking entrances. They're kind of driving me mm. nuts because it's too much. Like each guy has like a fucking three minute entrance and it works for some people where it comes natural. But then there's other people who don't deserve to have that long of an entrance. <laughs> and I'm just like, get it, get it. The show on the road, please. Mm-hmm. You know, just walk down the fucking ring like a normal wrestler. <laughs> 
Um, but you know, that's just me. I'm being a crouchy old man, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, um, overall I did enjoy the match. It's interesting. I feel like Riddle's not very well protected. I feel like he takes a lot of losses. Mm. But he looks really good in the ring. So maybe that's just like, you know, I don't know. It's just interesting it that, yeah, <laughs> I feel like I've seen Riddle lose a lot. Um, you know, so I mean, I know they're high on him, but mm-hmm. it does feel like he takes a lot of losses, which worries me that they're not protecting him because I feel like they they do have a lot invested in him. Um, I feel like he's one of the more like main roster ready guys. I know they're not supposed to think of you know NXT that way anymore. They still do, but I feel like he's one of those guys who has the most potential like moving up to the main roster to actually get over. Mm-hmm. I just hate his fucking entrance music <laughs> so much, man, bro. It's just such a lame like one dimensional gimmick. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> That's just me. Alright, well, next up we had Team Ciampa going up against the Undisputed Era. Team Ciampa has uh, Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and Kevin Owens. That's right. Big surprise uh, addition to Team Ciampa. Um, I, th- I, w- I thought it was pretty cool, man. I got excited mm-hmm. for that. So, uh, And obviously they're facing Undisputed Era. which Man, is... I'll never get over Adam Cole's facial expressions. Like, he just sells every single moment he's there so, is. He's so great. <laughs> when Kevin Owens' music hits, and there's just like, what the fuck yes. kind of face he's got going yeah, on? He's so fantastic. <laughs> he is. He is. Um, which, I, I just want him to stay with NXT forever. NXT. forever. <laughs> I know. I, I just don't know what Vince is going to do with him. going to get buried on Raw. Uh, or 205 Live. True. So he's, I just, he's a small guy. <laughs> I'm just so terrified, but he's such a great worker. He Shorty really Cole. Is. Oh, God. He's probably the same size. Mm-hmm. You know, but a lot of guys on the roster are the same size as Chad Gable. So, um, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't know, man. This, it, okay, and I know I, we were just saying Rhea Ripley, you know, it was definitely her weekend, but this was also fucking key weekend you mm. can tell they're also super high on him because he got a lot of fucking shine this weekend in this match and the survivor series match we'll talk about but um man you know when he first joined nxt um you know there was a lot of hype and stuff like that and i wasn't like necessarily too impressed with him but ever since like the invasion angle and everything like that i i'm like more and more on board mm. with him um, you know. I like what they're doing. I just, you know, I see Big E on the main roster and I'm just like, do I have faith that they're going to do he's, anything? I feel like he's more talented than Big E, though. Yeah. I mean, maybe he doesn't have the charisma that Big E has, but he, Big E was never fucking flying over the top rope like <laughs> Keith Lee is. I mean, in the just the way he moves in the fucking ring mm-hmm. and everything. It's smooth. Yes, yes. It's not just like a big guy trying to, like, you know go through the motions and do these cruiserweight mm-hmm. like moves. No, he can really fucking do it. You know, you know, it's not a show like, the, like he, his movements are fluid and you know, that is his skill set. 
So, and I, you know, I think that's what makes him special. Like, are you thinking about the running the rope sequence when he jumped perfectly over them? Yes, perfectly. <laughs> Just well executed. Because you'll get some big guys who, you know, mm-hmm. go ahead and kind of, you know, I don't know, like toe the line and work, you know, certain moveset. But usually it's smoke and mirrors. That's not it with Keith Lee at all. Like, you know, he legitimately, you know is on par with some of these guys with just his speed and like, you know, his agility. It, it is super impressive. Um, but you know, okay, let's talk about the match. So, uh, I love this match. I thought it was really well mm-hmm. executed, well put together. Um, you know, it, you know, there are a lot of spots happening here and there. Um, but it all flowed within the match and worked well. I do feel like five minutes is too long in the beginning, oh, you know, yes. to start off with, you know, before they go ahead and, you know, um, the you know next two or the first, the next opponent like comes into the match. Um, but that being said, um, you know, I felt like this really, really was a well-booked, well-executed match. I just think with that time limit being so long and the structure always going to be the same at the beginning, you know, you're going to have one face and two heels attacking him. Yes. It's just like, it's going to get too repetitive. It's been that way for 30 roof. years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I can, I think I remember one time it was flipped. So, um, yeah, no. The heels always end up winning the coin toss. So, or whatever fucking match they mm. end up, you know, throwing out there, you know, to, to get, you know, the advantage. But yeah, no, it, it is what it is. But five minutes, I feel like if it was like, you know, three, we'd be fine, you know? Um, but that being said, like I said, it was a well put together match. Um, some great spots. Um, I love the Kevin Owens moments. The crowd went fucking ballistic. I really thought it meant like Kevin Owens yeah. would be part of NXT. So I was actually quite disappointed um, when Survivor Series came around and that wasn't the case. So I, it was an interesting choice. I know they kind of uh, set that up with, you know, what happened on Raw with him and Triple H. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I felt like they didn't like, you know, I don't milk it at all. Like, I, I you know, with him showing up on, you know, TakeOver, I was like, okay, I, you know, at, at least you would get the whole, you know, is he with Raw or is he with NXT? And they would kind of tease that tension throughout the match and everything until he got tagged in. They didn't even bother with it. I will say at least, I don't know what happened on Raw, but um, at least if there's still technically a lead-in, and we'll get into it with the moment that happens during um, the Survivor Series match, at least he has a lead-in if they really wanted to bring him back into NXT on television. He could go with that, like going after Ciampa. Well, backstage at Survivor Series, he did say that, yeah, I love NXT, but like Raw is the place that needs me. Mm-hmm. So I felt like it was pretty cut and dry, but I still thought they would be like teasing it throughout that match until he got tagged yeah. in. Well, they didn't bother. So it, it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they thought that would just be a cool moment for him, you know, and the takeover crowd, you know, to have him to be part of the event. Um, you know, and it was, it was, it was, it was awesome. I, that fucking Canadian destroyer, like on the um the metal part, mm-hmm. of, you know, in between the rings and everything, was pretty fucking brutal. Um, you know, even though there was like a little pause in between, I still thought it was really effective. So, uh, <coughs> but speaking of fucking brutal, what the fuck is Champa doing? Like he <laughs> just had neck surgery, came back like months early from it, and then he's fucking jumping off the cage. 
backwards through a fucking table. What the fuck? <laughs> I can't believe they wouldn't even allow him to do that or think about doing that. I mean, at least he wasn't the one taking the neck impact. Oh my <laughs> god, there's so many things that could have gone wrong mm. with that. I'm like, are you insane? Uh, but it was a hell of a moment. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, um, really cool match. I really dug it. Um, and I thought it gave NXT a lot of momentum going into uh, Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we do have to mention Brett Baker showed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Out of nowhere. Oh my God, they're such assholes. Mm-hmm. They totally did that on fucking purpose. You know, just trying to stir the pot and get her. It was trouble. quick, but, you know, it was totally like they acknowledged her being there. Everything. Morrow so. fucking mentioned her by name. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way. You know, he's professional enough know, to know, like, oh, you know, that's not, you know, we shouldn't say anything. Um, so the fact that he did mention her by name makes me feel like someone in back told him to. Yeah. So, which I don't blame him, obviously. He's got a job to do. So, um, what do you think about all the Corey Graves shit, him and uh, Morrow? I think. Uh, it's very disrespectful what Corey says. You know, uh, it, it, he runs his mouth all the time. And this is nothing new from Corey Graves. But it's, you know, when you know someone has these types of issues that um, Renaro has. Yeah, he deals with just, a lot of, like, anxiety issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it, I mean, there was even, like, a documentary about it and everything like that. You know, he dealt with the issues a couple years ago with when he was on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. He actually left the company for a short period of time. So why the fuck would you, like, you know, take a shot at him? Like, even if you were annoyed with his commentating, like, why would you do it on, like, social media? You know, and and I don't know any job where that would be acceptable, mm-hmm. where you would talk about a coworker on social media, you know, where it would seem, like, professional and be okay. Um, especially, a, you know, a coworker who is going through the issues that he's going through. So, like... I'm almost disappointed in WWE for not taking more of, you know, action. Maybe behind the scenes he's been fined or, you know, talking to. But um, I was actually surprised that he was even on the Survivor Series uh, commentating team. And he wasn't there for, like, the first, like, half of the show, yeah. it felt like. And then he showed up. I was like, come on, guys. You know, um, you know, once I realized, you know, I guess um, Ronaldo, he was supposed to be on the card. And then he ended up you know, just, I, I mean, he must have just called in, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. So they did, like, try to, like, like cover for him kayfabe-wise and, you know, say that he threw out his voice, you know, which at that point, like, why even, just don't even mention it, you know, because you're just drawing attention to mm-hmm. it. Um, but he just, I mean, really shitty on Graves' part. So it was kind of disappointing because, I mean, it feels like, you know, besides, you know, his commentating going to hell, you know, because he's being produced by McMahon, you know, it seemed like Graves was a pretty cool guy. I don't follow all the social media shit, you know, with mm-hmm. him. So, um, but, you know, I was just disappointed. I'd be disappointed in anyone, you know, doing I, something I just, like shit. If it had, I think it's worse that he continued, like he, you know, he stood his ground afterwards as well. Um, Morrow's friend, uh, Frank Shamrock, Frank Shamrock, um, you know, went back and forth with him using one of Corey Graves' previous tweets. Literally the tweet below the one where it's basically much... Like uh, saying, you know, people need to learn to shut their mouths on social media or get punched in the face. Yeah, people are getting too comfortable. Exactly. Like talking shit without <laughs> getting punched in their face. Um, yeah, which was bizarre. Like, because Graves bitches about that all the time mm-hmm. when people fucking, you know, 
um, you know, slam his fucking, you know, uh, job on Raw and shit like that. And fucking Graves talks over people constantly. He was doing to fucking Renee mm. all the time. So he would get criticism all the time for it. So I, I don't know. Fuck Graves. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what was your overall star rating for Takeover? I'm gonna give it four stars. I uh, just because I would have. There are great matches and everything like that, but I need titles to be on the line. Mm-hmm. You know, I need some kind of at least, you know, something that they're kind of you know working towards at least. You know, maybe the winning team. You know, like all the members can like you know. Uh, go after a title of their choosing or something, you know, something toward mm-hmm. that. That was my issue with survivor series. Also, like there was nothing like not one goal that everyone was working for. Brand supremacy is just not enough in my book. Yeah. You know, the motivation, <laughs> especially when your brands are usually like, I don't even know who's on what brand half the fucking mm-hmm. time. And it doesn't seem like the wrestlers even know anymore. So um, that's not enough of a motivation for me. So that that's the only reason why I would just give it four stars. No, I have to agree. I would give it four because it was overall inter entertaining, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but there's nothing that pushes it over the line to make it. You know, there's no real storyline and stakes that really make you want to care for what's going on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, like, I cared what was going on. It just it felt like there could be more, you know, behind yeah. everything. So, um, it did feel like it was building. Definitely towards a feud with Ciampa and Cole, though. Um, I don't know where that's going to leave Balor. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it's just going to be kind of, you know, become a triple threat type deal. Because now with Johnny, it seems like indefinitely out. We we have no update on what his condition is. If it's just kind of a short term thing or Mm -hmm. if he's going to be out for a while. I don't know where he's headed program wise. So. Um, so that should be interesting. All right. Well, speaking about caring about storylines, we're going on to Survivor <laughs> Series. All right. Uh, your overall thoughts on Survivor Series? You know, um, for the most part, I was geeking out because I, you know, I love NXT and I loved seeing them go up against, you know, the main roster and everything. But at the same time, there was just nothing for me to care about. You know, bragging rights does not matter. Yeah. Stakes, uh, <laughs> right? We need more stakes. So, um, I agree though. I thought they did a good job though, um, spotlighting NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if NXT gets a bump, you know, from this. So, cause I feel like they really, really went out of their way to yeah. put everyone over, um, you know, which is great. So, but if, I mean, there's no way at this point they can say that they're not worried about it. Because obviously <laughs> they just basically sacrificed a whole pay per view to NXT, you know, and spotlighting all that talent. I mean, so, I was genuinely surprised how much they were getting over. Yes, Vince doesn't. <laughs> Vince doesn't like to lose, mm-hmm. and that's apparent, you know, from this pay per view. So uh, let's get into it, though. Uh, first up, we on the pre-show we had the ten team interbrand tag team battle royal. All right, I didn't see the pre-show, but this sounds fucking awful. <laughs> so this totally just feels like we need to get everyone on the card. Yeah. So here we go. Yeah, it's um, pretty much just the leftovers. Yes. So <laughs> um, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode went over, uh, giving sure. SmackDown their first win of the night. All right. So then next up, we had Leo Rush defeating Akira Tozawa and Callisto. Uh, Leo Rush, your current uh, cruiserweight champion. Um, 
you know what? I've enjoyed Leo Rush on NXT. I will say that. Mm-hmm. So um, he's got a lot of charisma um, and he's a hell of a worker. So as long as he can just fucking keep his mouth shut backstage, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I like watching him work. I find him entertaining. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm happy that, you know, it seems like, you know, he's kind of back on track now. Um, you know, I didn't mind him with Bobby Lashley. Um, it's just the shit that he was saying on social media and just sounded mm-hmm. like he was such a prick backstage. <laughs> um, but I thought, you know, he actually like made Lashley slightly entertaining. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm sure this match was fine. But it does feel very threatening. Lashley has gone to the moon since, so. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, I didn't even know Callisto was on SmackDown, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a 205 Live guy anymore? No. It, uh, and to, Tozawa, I know, is on Raw. Yeah, so I thought he was moved away from, I don't, I don't get it. Whatever. Anyway, I'm not, <laughs> not going to try to dissect what the hell's going on in this match. Um, but yeah, felt very like thrown together. Mm-hmm. Um, so this gave NXT a win. This counts in their win column. Yes. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> now this was a match that I did want to actually see. Um, and unfortunately it was on the pre-show, uh, the Viking Raiders versus New Day versus, uh, the Undisputed Era. Um, did you catch this match at all? I did not. I didn't catch the pre-show either. Yeah, no. And I actually started the pay-per-view, um, and I was kind of expecting, I, mm-hmm. like, by the end, I was like, wait a sec, what the fuck happened to the Viking Raiders? <laughs> um, so, but yeah, the Viking Raiders did go over here, which is not surprising, mm-hmm. um, to say the least. Um, but fucking Kofi, man, on the pre-show Survivor Series. What the fuck, man? Man, the only thing I could really hope for... Is like, and they're not doing it. But imagine if this was all just long story building to have Kofi go up against uh, Lesnar at Media. This, the, I mean, that's some fucking long form <laughs> storytelling. Like if that's the case, because um, they're not even planting seeds right now. Mm. I mean, they're not even in the fields right now. So I mean. I don't know, man. I mean, this just feels like we're just going to pretend well, your takes, title reign didn't mm, even happen. Who takes the title off of Lesnar? You know? I don't know. And they don't... Well, one, he can't go against Lesnar. Lesnar's on Raw. Oh. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. He doesn't even get a rematch. So Lesnar quit SmackDown and moved to Raw. Mm-hmm, now yeah. he's Lesnar and they can do whatever the fuck they want, obviously. Once the ratings get too shitty, I mean, the <laughs> brand split's going to fucking go to the wayside. But yeah, no, they just really just, I mean, they're doing such a disservice to Kofi and, you know, just staining such a great fucking, you know, WrestleMania moment um, with this shit fucking booking. Mm-hmm. Like I understood. I, I, I was fine with him losing the belt at that point, just not in the way that he did it. Like it would have been okay if it was a decent match, you know, if they actually put some effort, but then actually have some follow up to it. And, you know, maybe a couple like interviews where Kofi's, you know, actually like devastated or heartbroken over the loss, you know, but no, they didn't do that. They sh- had him show up the next fucking week throwing pancakes in the crowd. You know, acting like he didn't have a care in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like they completely erased his fucking title raid. It's so bizarre. 
Um, you know, and that's why people are getting turned off by the product is because there's no continuity whatsoever to their storytelling at the moment. So, um, but anyway, all right, I digress. Um, the Viking Raiders went over. So um, let's move on to the main card. Yes, we started off just similar to the um, war games. We started off with the women's five on five on five Survivor Series triple threat elimination match. Uh, we had Team NXT with Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, Io Shirai, and Tony Storm. All my favorite women in wrestling pretty much right now on one team. Uh, <laughs> we had Charlotte Flair for Team Raw go, with um, Natalia, Asuka, Kyrie Sane, and Sarah Logan. And then we also had Team SmackDown, which featured Sasha Banks, Carmella, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, and Nikki Cross. My God, Sasha was fucking dealt a really shitty hand. <laughs> <laughs> she did get the scraps. Yeah, yes. my God. Uh, I really dug this match. I thought it was really well put yes. together. Um, it did go a little long at first um, before we had any kind of like eliminations, but I actually... I was okay with that just because a lot of times with these elimination mm. matches, the pins come too quickly and it's just too unrealistic. Um, so I was happy that they actually wrestled for a good, like yes. almost 20 minutes. Everyone felt like they got the spotlight and a chance to actually shine, um, you know, and get their character over. Um, I thought it was a little odd, the choice that they made with uh, EO and uh, Tony, was it Tony Storm who got eliminated? Or no, it was Candice, who actually oh, got yes. taken mm -hmm. out of the match because of a fake injury spot mm -hmm. um, when someone did a dive on the outside. Um, I felt like it would have made more sense if they were playing off the War Games match the prior night. Um, they kind of talked about it, but they didn't talk about it enough that mm -hmm. like the NXT crew all went through hell the night before. You know, in this massive fucking cage match. You know, both the men's and the women's team. So um, I felt like the commentators could have done that, you know, a little more justice. But um, I also am happy that they didn't take the pins at the same time. Where they were able to remove those two without having them, you know, get pinned and look like lesser than. Mm -hmm. You know, by, you know, they were able to put the NXT team with their backs against the walls without having to sacrifice anything face-wise, you know, with the two women. So I hear you. I just wish they had gotten a few more spots in. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, once again, sell the fact that they were in a fucking, you know, War Games match mm -hmm. the night before. So it makes a little more sense. But then, okay, so let's let's get through, you know, some of the eliminations. Um, I dug what they did with Asuka and Charlotte. Yes. I was actually, I, I thought that was kind of a cool moment. Um, you know, it feels like Charlotte has been kind of teetering the line as a face recently. And now it feels like she's a straight up heel, which is weird because <laughs> Asuka is supposed to be the mm. heel. But whatever. Um, Asuka was definitely really over here in the match, you know, with the Chicago crowd, you know, which isn't, you know, a big surprise at all. Um but yeah, no, I, I actually dug that a lot. I thought that was a great way to, you know, get Charlotte out of the match, too. Um, once again, Rhea Ripley, though. It was all about her. Yes. You know, it was all about her show and her getting to shine, um, you know, which is great. So they're really behind her. I feel like they're setting her up to really, like, you know, 
carry the torch for when you know Shayna Baszler ends up getting called up to the main roster, <laughs> which is totally happening. <laughs> Real soon. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if Shayna Baszler ends up losing the belt at the next takeover mm-hmm. to um, Ripley. So um, that just feels like where they're headed at this point. Um, anything else stands out for you during this match? Um, you know, it, I feel like just uh, everyone got a decent amount of time. I, I didn't like how much Lacey Evans was getting over throughout the match. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. You know, I thought Natalia had some good moments. Mm-hmm. You know, she felt more real, you know, and not so forced. I mean, she was just cussing people out in that ring left and right, <laughs> you know. Um, I don't know if she's usually like that in the ring, but I was like, okay, I could get behind this version of Natalia. No, I, I felt like throughout the entire show, everyone was just dropping F-bombs. Yeah. Hey <laughs> <laughs> why not um so there's so much at stake christian mm. uh, but yeah no I, it was a fine match um mm. you know um and like i said it was weird the way they booked it at the end just with you know the girls who were injured you know quote unquote coming back and then kind of assisting Rhea against sasha i like that sasha and Rhea they got like you know a good like chunk of time to kind of work one-on-one mm-hmm. against each other i just didn't like the fact that you know the girls had to come out and kind of assist her it like it felt like vince was like booking the women nxt you know team as like the heels but they were totally over you know with the crowd so i don't know if that's just a miscalculation or a way for vince to like save face for you know the main roster you know women i'm not sure what that was about Mm -hmm. but i still felt like they put Rhea over strong enough i mean you would think you know they just saw them the night before most of that crowd is from the takeover crowd they're going to cheer for the nxt guys exactly and a lot of people bought ticket you know Mm -hmm. you know they're there for both nights so um but yeah no it, it was a it was a little bizarre it was bizarre. So, <laughs> um, all right. So let's move on. Uh, next up, we had the triple threat match between Roderick Strong, AJ Styles, and Shinsuke Nakamura. I was a little disappointed with this match. I felt it was a little cookie cutter. I felt it was a little safe. Um, I don't know what the hell I was expecting, but I don't know. I I, I think I was hoping to get. I don't know. A Nakamura with the shackles kind of off. Um, you know, like early NXT Nakamura. I'm still like hoping for that guy to show up. <laughs> but he just hasn't, you know, and he might just be gone for good. I don't know. Um, but I, I just felt like maybe that this would inspire him more to like pick up his game and, you know, return true to form. Not putting it all on Nakamura, but, you know, I. I I don't know. I I it just I, I feel like I've been disappointed like with so many Nakamura matches and so and AJ seems to be part of that sometimes where like I don't know if both of those guys feel like sometimes they have to like work this like watered down like WWE style you know just to please you know Vince or whatever. Yeah, they absolutely are. Doing um, you know, but there I feel like you know Survivor Series and like you know the big four pay per views. That's when you fucking let the chains off and you you know fucking go balls to the walls so i i don't know i was a little disappointed. i was happy for roderick strong getting the win here um you know i thought that was a big statement 
But, you know, I don't know. I, I would just match-wise, it was okay. It was a good match. Don't get me wrong. So I just, I was expecting more, I guess. I liked the match a lot, but I do think they could have booked it a lot differently. Like, the fact that Roderick, like, and we're going to keep going back to this. Roderick Strong was just in a War Games match. Mm-hmm. He came off a little too strong. Yeah. Yeah, sell that. Sell mm-hmm. that he's injured. Sell that he's hurt, you know. He went that, through multiple tables. <laughs> yes. Yes, I agree. And that makes people want to go back and watch the War Games mm-hmm. match, too. If you're trying to get over the NXT product, what a great way to sell it. Like, these guys being, like, true underdogs and being, you know, with their backs against the walls. That would make perfect sense. So, and make it a bigger win at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, put the guys over, goddammit. <laughs> but, I mean, at the same time, they did with him actually getting the win here. So, but, yeah. No, I just, I don't know. I was expecting, like, a five-star fucking match, you know. And I we just got a solid three-star match. I mean, there's a bunch of five-star names in there. That's why you expect it. Exactly. Exactly. But, I mean, how many times is Nakamura going to let me down at this point where I just start, you know, realizing it's just not the Nakamura <laughs> of old. <laughs> this is WWE Nakamura, Damon. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. All right. So, what do we got next? Adam Cole versus Pete Dunne. You know what? Okay, so I think, too, it felt like the crowd was dead a lot during that match. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I I was like, well, maybe they're just exhausted or, you know, it was a long night before. But this showed me that if the, the ma- it can't just be blamed on the, the crowd. Because, like, at first with this match, Adam Cole and Pete Dunne, the crowd was kind of more the same. They were really fucking quiet. But eventually they won them over. And they were fucking on their feet by the end of this match. Mm-hmm. Um, I really dug this match. I thought it was really well put together. Um, you know, but that's what I was expecting with a Pete Dunne and Adam Cole match. So, um, And finally, we're selling War Games. Yes. <laughs> yes, right? Um, you know, there were stakes, you know. Mm. It's like the one of the only championship <laughs> matches on the fucking card. Well, I guess, no, that's not true with The Fiend and uh, Daniel Bryan. But we knew how that was going to work yes. out. So, <laughs> the same with Lesnar and fucking Mysterio. So, but I felt like there was a chance, a slight chance that Pete Dunne might actually win. Um, especially since fucking Adam Cole, you know, had the spot the night before, mm-hmm. um, where he fucking jumped off the, you know, with the, was put through the table from the top of the cage. So, but, um, you know, just a hell of a match, you know, um, I just don't want to see these guys on the main roster. <laughs> I really don't. I think they're really trying to hold on to Cole having the title until he beats Balor's record. And then that's like an easy way to start their program. Yeah. Yeah, or Balor beats him for the title mm, right before right before he breaks the record. That would make sense. So, but then you got heel versus heel. Do you turn Cole face? He gets a fucking baby face reaction, <laughs> regardless. I guess. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I feel like that's probably the easy way if they're truly committed as to Finn like being a heel. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes most sense. So. Um, all right, so moving on. Uh, moving on, we have The Fiend Bray Wyatt going up against Daniel Bryan. Red light and all. Yes. It didn't annoy me <laughs> as much, um, but I felt like that was all Daniel Bryan's doing just because he's such a great fucking wrestler. Um, I did feel at points <coughs> in the match that Daniel could actually win. Which is good, because I, I never felt that way, you know, with Bray and Seth. 
So, um, you know, it it would have totally been like a roll-up or something like that. Mm. But it did feel like Daniel could pull off the victory. Um, I liked everything where, you know, it felt like Daniel finally, like, reaccepting, like, you know, the yes movement and everything like that. I thought that was a great moment. Um, but I felt like the fiend still looked strong here. So I still want the red light to go, though. <laughs> I, I just, you know, like, keep it on for maybe a minute or two. And then, you know, like, maybe once, you know, the baby face gets offense, the light goes off or something like that. You know, I just, I mean, if you have to have it at all. I think it's just going to get annoying because they're probably going to, every time he has offense, they'll turn it red. Oh, just like flicker on back and forth. (laughs) Let's talk about their fucking camera work lately. Their camera work has been fucking atrocious. I cannot handle WWE's Were you getting a headache? Because, like, it was so many cuts in this paper. Oh my gosh, there's no transitions and every fucking impactful hit there's a cut. Yes. It was just insane. I was like, <laughs> why? since when are we doing this? I don't know if it's just been a subtle change. Like, I, I you know, I, I noticed it recently, but my God, it's just getting worse and worse. I'm glad you noticed that because I was like, I, I, I don't know if I'm going nuts, but I'm mean, like, this is insane, the amount of cuts they're doing right now. Yeah, no, it, was, <laughs> it was really bad. It was mm-hmm. really bad, especially during this match. I don't know if, like... The red light emphasized it more for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, my God, stop it. I'm getting seasick watching this. <laughs> um, like motion sickness. But yeah, no. I Overall, I was I was surprised by this match. Um, you know, especially it was 10 minutes long. So, but um, I thought it was well put together. Um, and I, I hope that this is the end of the program. I hope they get to do more. So. Oh, oh, wait, you want them to do more? Between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I don't. I, I was expecting this to be the end. I don't know, man. I feel like they, there's more meat on the bone here. Hmm. I did like the story, though. I agree. I, I enjoyed, you know, Brian having to kind of accept, you know, his who he was to try to take him on and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, They're doing these, this weird thing with The Miz and Brian, too. I don't know if that was that on the show where they had uh, the Miz go backstage. Yes, he was backstage and reiterating pretty much what he said. Yeah, um, like this you've is... got to take them down and, you know, I'm in fear for me and my children or our children or mm. something weird. Um, it was a bit much. <laughs> I was like, please just turn Ms. Heel. Please, this isn't working. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't understand the point of this. Um, so maybe now that Daniels seems like he's finally going to go full face, you know, Miz can be fucking heel again. <laughs> So, because I just, I, I feel like, like, I mean, think about it, a year ago, I could have totally seen The Miz getting, like, a run with a belt. Mm-hmm. You know, because he was, he, he was legitimately getting over. And now it's just, I mean, they threw that fucking out the window <laughs> so quickly. And I'll start with that fucking Shane McMahon match at mm-hmm. WrestleMania. So, so disappointing. All right. So up next, we've got uh, the Men's Survivor Series uh, match. Yeah, that's Team SmackDown featuring Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, King Corbin, Mustafa Ali, and Shorty G. Then we had Team Raw, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, and Ricochet, and Team NXT, which is Tommaso Ciampa, Damian Priest, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, and Walter, which I did not expect Walter to be in the match. That's because they didn't bother announcing the team <laughs> until the pre-show. Exactly. So, 
whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was well booked. Um, I thought it was, it was definitely the Keith Lee show. Mm-hmm. Um, they're high on Keith Lee right now. So I'll be curious to see what, what this leads to. Um, apparently Vince really likes Keith Lee. Um, cool. you, that's terrifying. I don't know if it's cool. <laughs> it's definitely terrifying. Vince like Braun Strowman at one point, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He still does supposedly. So, um, but yeah, no, it, it was, I like that they continue to put over NXT. Um, but you know, I, I actually was entertained by this match. You know, Ooh. it was a good, you know, even though there's way too many fucking opponents and I, I hope they don't do this again next year um, because you have to deal with so many eliminations. I thought that it was a well-paced match. Um, everyone kind of got their moment except for uh, Damien Priest just, who yeah. just kind of got RKO'd. Um, but, you know, I thought it was well done. I was surprised that Ricochet didn't get more of a moment at least. Um, I think I talked about it earlier. I really thought they were going to kind of tease like, you know, Kevin Owens, you know, maybe, you know, uh, joining NXT. That mm-hmm. wasn't done. They didn't really do anything with Seth Rollins joining NXT because that was kind of pitched a couple weeks ago with Triple H, you know, confronting him in the ring and making him an offer. They didn't really play that up. But overall, I thought it was a strong match. Um, you know, thirty minutes long, but you had fucking fifteen eliminations to deal with. So, um, but yeah, no. I, what were your thoughts? You know, um, I really appreciated how Walter came off in the ring in general. Um, I, you know, I didn't like seeing him get pinned, of course. Yes. But at the same time, I loved that he was able to really, you know, fight back against the likes of like Braun Strowman and everything in that match. You know, it wasn't just like. Um, it was believable too. Believable. Yeah, exactly. Um, I enjoyed. Uh, you know what? Actually, I do agree. They they should have played up more on Kevin Owens's angle. You know, they they even teased it once he came into the ring where he like you know he has a choice to choose between um, doing his dive on Champa or um, a team member of a uh, SmackDown, mm-hmm. and of course he he lands on the SmackDown member. And I was like, oh, okay. They're going to play this up more, but then, like, five minutes later, Ciampa turns on him. Yeah. So I was like... I thought it was a nice character moment, though, for Ciampa, mm-hmm. so I actually appreciated that. I I but, got his character moment, yeah, when he starts clapping and yes, all that everything. So. Yes, I thought that was okay, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I don't know where that's leading to, mm-hmm. or if it's leading to anything. Um, Walter, I the Walter moment when he got pins, because I don't know if I've ever seen him lose mm-hmm. at this moment. I must have at some point. But, um... It made me appreciate what they did with the women in the NXT match. You know, having two of them get eliminated due to injury. Um, Just because I was like, okay, well, you know, this kind of sucks. You know, seeing one of the NXT guys take a pin like this. Um, You know, especially so quickly, too. I felt like it was really quick. But that's probably my only real beef with this match um, overall. How did you feel about the Shield reunion moments? I love that the crowd just booed the shit out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they were... I was actually surprised a little bit. Because Roman was getting kind of a better reaction than I've seen in a while mm. throughout this match. And then you have him pair up with Seth against Tomasa and Keith Lee. And it was just immediately... Seth is so toxic right mm-hmm. now. He's got so much heat. <laughs> um, this was actually... Um, during last week's episode, I was predicting that he would turn heel here mm-hmm. just because 
it's done. Like he's he's too like the damage that he's done to his character is just like, there's no return at mm-hmm. this point. So I was like, okay, they have to see this. They have to turn him heel. And they did is just on Raw the next night. Um, where they had him basically play himself. So um I appreciate that. I thought it was <laughs> well done. Um apparently he got in trouble for mentioning CM Punk because Vince doesn't want to um, promise or like allude to a match that probably isn't going to happen. At least that's what they're telling people. I don't mm-hmm. know if I believe that. Um, but I understood why he did it because they were chanting CM Punk right when he picked up the microphone. So I thought it was a great piece of improv on his part. Um, but yeah, no, I just to see him in the ring and be this kind of Weasley kind of like, you know, company guy, I thought it was perfect. And it was, you know, I was like, man, if they've been working us this entire time, I mean, well done. Like, this is just all, like, great character work on his part with all the fucking shitty fucking social media posts um, over the past, like, three months. I mean, bravo. But I love that his heel persona always is in a black suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's just himself. Yeah. Because <laughs> he is a natural heel. So, um, but yeah, no, I... I was more upset. I know we're talking about Raw now. I didn't like the fact that he wrestled as a babyface at the end of the night. Mm. I felt that that was kind of weird. You know, um, you know. I, I like the idea. It seems like they're teasing with him and uh, AOP uh, teaming up together. I think there's a lot to that and a lot of potential there. But um, and I like the idea of him working against Owens. So um, you they're know, definitely better teammates than Jamie Noble. Yes, yes. <laughs> a little more threatening. Um, who else was it? was Mercury, yes. right? Um, yeah, Mercury's got a lot of shit going on right now, too. I don't know if you saw the, all the ROH shit. No. Yeah, no, it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I think I could really get into a program with Owens and, you know, Rollins. Owens being, like, the anti-company guy mm-hmm. and, you know, Rollins being the pro, you know, fucking kiss-ass you know, just don't so, fuck it up this time. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> they have a track record at this point. But, you know, back to the match. Um, yeah, no, they the, the crowd definitely shit all over the fact, you know, that Rollins and Rowan were together. Because they've seen it, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like anything new. Over the past, like, year and a half, they've, like, reunited, like, five times, it felt like. So it's not a huge moment anymore. So, and Dean's not there, so who gives a fuck? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, overall, I, I was super excited though for Keith Lee. I was, you know, he had the big moment at the end of the match with him and Roman. Did you think thinking, he should have fist bumped him or should he have walked away? Who, Keith Lee? Yeah. No, it gives him, it's just respect. I mean, Roman didn't do anything, you know, I, I felt like that's just a sign of respect to everything. And there's a good portion of the crowd who, do like Roman. So um, I just hope that that was enough to get, you know, more eyes on NXT. Mm. Just for me, there was way too much, um, too many people backstabbing each other throughout the match. I, I get it. They're, they're, you know, they're not supposed to be friends or anything like that. But it just mm-hmm. felt like every two minutes there was someone. Well, and that's the whole problem. Is like the whole concept of brand versus brand is so flawed because, you know, Survivor Series, what made it work before, it was all feud-based. Mm-hmm. So you'd have, you know, these people, like, you know, find this common ground against, you know, their common en- enemies. So 
it all kind of worked, you know, organically, where now it's just so forced and everything. And no one really has brand loyalty because mm-hmm. these guys are fucking jumping brands like every other month at this point. You got like two or three fucking drafts a year. So I don't even, I can't even keep track who's on what <laughs> brand. So I forgot Randy Orton was on Raw. <laughs> I really did. I forgot Orton's on Raw because I felt like we haven't really seen him. And the mm-hmm. draft was just like four weeks ago. So I don't know, man. I don't know. It is what it is. So, but overall, it was an entertaining match. All right. So let, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio in a no holds barred street fight. And what did you tell me, Christian? I told you it'd be about five minutes. No, you said it was going to be one minute long. <laughs> <laughs> we landed on a five minute to ten minute After range. I fucking argued you down. And it, it came in between. It was a seven, seven minute minutes. Match. <laughs> All right. Seven minutes. <laughs> uh, what were your thoughts on this? Um, I really ended up enjoying Ray and his son. Attacking him. Uh-huh. I really See? got into the double 619 and the frog splashes and everything. And then, of course, Brock Lesnar ruined the moment. Yes, of course. <laughs> but at least there was like a, a, there was a moment there where you thought mm-hmm. he could possibly pull it off. So. I still can't listen to Brock Lesnar talk ever. Why? What do you I don't mean? know. It, it, it just takes away from the threat for me. Like his voice... He it's feels so, like such a meathead, uh-huh. right? He sounds like such a Like, you could hear him in the ring very clearly for some reason in this pay-per-view. and uh, Oh, what, like calling? No, he, just... he was insulting him, like, uh, saying, like, oh, I'm going to get you, Ray. And, like, it's just like, yeah, you sound so less threatening. There's a reason <laughs> why Haven's with him. Exactly. So, um, but it's weird because his UFC, like, promos were fantastic. He felt so much more believable. Um, but yeah, no, in the, in, in the ring, WWE ring. Yeah. You don't want to hear that guy. <laughs> so, but I thought this was a fun match, a nice piece of work. And, you know, I, it, as long as it gave me a moment, even though it was fleeting, mm-hmm. a moment where I thought Ray could actually pull it off. I'm good. That's all I want. So, um, <laughs> and it wasn't just Ray getting demolished by Brock. I so. wish it would have taken more than one F5. Just one more. Maybe, maybe I two. Guess. I guess. I was fine with it, but I, I know what you mean. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Uh, and then Ray also had a nice piece of business on Raw. I, it was a really fun like match between him and AJ Styles. There's a great number one contender match beforehand. It was just really well booked and entertaining. So I dug it. And it like it, the crowd was like, that was the one thing that night that mm-hmm. they really, really got into. Um, so it, it was a nice moment for him, which I, you know, he's getting older. He's not going to have tons of these moments, you know, in the future. So it's good to see them still like, you know, give him some respect, you know, if this is going to be the next, like, you know, the last couple of years he has with the company. So, um, yeah, I don't know where it goes from here, you know, with the, uh, U S title. So, um, it seems like AJ is going to be moving on to Randy Orton. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he does something with Umberto because he didn't mention like how proud he was of him and everything like that. Maybe he gives him the title match and they mm. work like a program or something like that. Umberto heel turn, huh? No, but maybe just like a you know respect thing, you know, a passing of the torch type deal. So I I could see something like that or Andrade. You know, I mean, finally pick up where they left off on SmackDown. You remember they kept on teasing a few mm-hmm. between those two. They, like, started Stop It. 
I wouldn't mind that at all. So um, have Andrade turn his son against him. Yeah. That would be cool. Right? Huh? That'd be fun, right? I'm still <laughs> waiting for them to like capitalize on Andrade having been in um, the original version of LIJ, which is, uh, I'm just going to say, either LI or the Ungovernables. Okay. The English version there. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, how would they capitalize on that? I think it'd be cool to have him be a leader, uh, make a little faction around him of pawns, at least him using people. I'm scared they would like just put fucking um, Lucha House Party or something ridiculous no. around him. No, I yes, I, that's not what I want, <laughs> but you couldn't see McMahon just doing that? Just like, oh, just throw all the Mexicans over here. I guess I could see that. Because Come of, on it's, now. It's him. You're giving him way too much credit if you don't think he would. I mean, do how, how do you think we got the Kabuki Warriors? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Supposedly they picked the name, but yeah. No, well, right? yeah, they picked the name. They, they both, were full. Oh, they're both together. Japanese. They exactly. Have to, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what you get when you have like a fucking eight year old man booking your products. So. Um, but all right, let's let's move. Where are we? What are we even? <laughs> well, we have the about? last match. Okay, which it's is late. It is late. Um, all right, what's the last match? Um, it's the triple threat match between all the women. It's Shayna Baszler, Becky Lynch, and Bailey. Um, I thought this was going to be a lot better. <laughs> all things considered. Yeah, you know what? I was. Halfway through, I was really wishing it was a one-on-one match between Shayna Baszler and uh, Becky. Um, it just felt like Bailey was there to be the fall you mm-hmm. know, girl, I guess. Um, it just, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't like the way they're booking Bailey. I hated that she had to take the fucking loss. I understand why, because you feel like there's still money on the table with Becky and, you know, Baszler, but... You know, at the same time, Bailey just turned heel. You know, she needs to pick up steam. Mm-hmm. And then I was fine with her being scared of her. And I thought that really put over Baszler. But for her to have like no payoff whatsoever and to get choked out in the middle of the ring, I was like, okay. You know, I mean, I guess it hurts her less because of the character she's betraying now. But I don't know. It just really didn't do that much for me. Um, and then, you know, I think you kind of mentioned it off mic, you know, like Becky, you know, still like one upping her Mm -hmm. at the end. Um, my thought on that was that I think it's just going to, it's, it's leading to something like I could definitely see these guys having a match at rumble or even, um, like maybe SummerSlam or something like that. I feel like Baszler's definitely going to get called up sooner than later. Um, but man. It, it really was kind of deflating, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I, I really enjoyed most of the card, um, but this was kind of a letdown. I agree. So. I mean, for me, the finish felt like, I don't know, Becky came off real childish to me. And not only that, but the whole moment felt really long. Like, it, I don't know if it just was drawn out too long or what, but because it was lasting so long, um, I mean, it was it was only two minutes. But because it was two minutes of, you know, Becky, you know, shouting, this is my fucking house, I was expecting someone to come out. Like, even even if it wasn't going to be Rhonda, just someone in general to come out to, like, Shayna's aid, like Mm. her friends or something, to get a a one-up on Becky. I guess, um, probably the thought process, and I want to try to dive into McMahon's mind, (laughs) was, like, not to go off 
you know, screen with like the heel reigning supreme um, to give kind of like that baby face moment to the crowd. Um, but this wasn't a baby face style moment. Yeah, but this is a Becky. Like she's kind of that in between kind of character, you know, for the crowd, usually like her punching someone in the face, you know, or, you know, having that moment of defiance is a baby face moment for her character. So, but yeah, I felt like I kind of like, I know it kind of did a disservice to Shayna winning, mm-hmm. you know, cleanly, especially. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it was, I don't, I don't know if it, if it was successful in what they're trying to get across. Mm-hmm. You know, if it is to truly like build a program between the two, um, and like maybe she's kind of like, you know, the one that got away or like Baszler comes into, you know, Raw now with like bragging rights, fine. But I feel like that's months out, at least at this point. Um, unless they have Becky like show up on NXT. I think that's done <laughs> for right now. I do too. But I, I feel like Vince likes winning. And, you know, with them winning last week. Unfortunately, I would not put it past him, um, like having main roster people now, you know, show up more Mm -hmm. often on NXT. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was like at least one interbrand feud going on, you know, just to kind of keep eyeballs on the product. So right or wrong. Um, But yeah, no, it was kind of a lackluster ending to, you know, what overall I thought was a good show. Oh, well, speaking of overall, what was your overall grade for this show? Um, uh, And we're doing stars for wrestling, right? Yes. Um, I would give it, I'd give it four stars. Give it a solid four. Yeah, I would give it four just because, once again, I I was entertained for most of the show. So, and I wasn't expecting that with a couple of the mm. matches. So, uh, some of the matches over-delivered. Um, you know, like the Bray Wyatt match. Definitely, like I actually got into the match, which I was not expecting whatsoever. His entrance is still fantastic. Mm-hmm. Just that red light kills me, but overall, I enjoyed the fucking match. It was my girlfriend's first time seeing Bray Wyatt in his new fiend form. Oh, really? She was like shitting her pants. Really? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a great moment. I love that lantern too. I really do. Um, so, but yeah, no. Overall, I would give it four stars. So, um, you're great, sir. I'm going to give a four, but it's like just barely four. <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, I, I I did enjoy a lot of the matches. I, I think it was just, I got to sit there as a fan for most of it. I had to put, you know, like typical WWE storytelling aside mm-hmm. and just sit there and try to watch each match for what it was. Well, they put storytelling aside in general. True. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to keep that out of my mind yeah. that, you know, this doesn't mean anything. It's just bragging rights. And I sat there thinking like, oh man, I want NXT to come out on top, get a landslide victory type of stuff. Yeah. So I, I was I was enjoying it in that sense. Yes. But when, I, when it comes to storyline elements with like Becky doing what she did, the match, some of those matches being slow the way mm. it were, I don't know. You know, I think... Overall, too, I was more. I was. I, I know you're talking about like the backstabbing shit that mm-hmm. was happening. I was glad that they did that because at least it little. It made logical sense 
story-wise why these people wouldn't be getting along mm-hmm. on the team. So I did respect that they tried to do that instead of these guys acting like, you know, there's no issues whatsoever. Because that's felt- kind of what they were doing mm-hmm. on the TV shows where they're all like banding together. Like you had enemy standing next to enemy, you know, trying to fight off NXT. Or I just felt there was too much of it. Like, I'm okay with there being backstabbing. It makes sense, especially when you have Corbin on your team. Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen. Yeah. But it was just like, I don't know, especially when they do it in both matches. I think I'd be more annoyed with it if there were stakes mm-hmm. involved, where they're like, you know, fighting for like, you know, Royal Rumble slots or something like that, or title opportunities. But since there was no stakes, yeah. you know, it makes sense why everyone's gonna turn on fucking Corbin. <laughs> you know? <laughs> The guy's own mother would turn on him <laughs> at this point. So he's so fucking obnoxious. Uh-huh. Jesus Christ. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this week, man. Yeah, that's going to close out the show. All right. Well, hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. But yes. before we move on, go ahead and check out dramacityproductions.com. Uh, you can hear us and a bunch of other great podcasts. And then you could also check us out over at... Yeah, bigheadsmedia.com. I mean, if that wasn't enough podcasts before, 150 plus more on BigHeadMedia.com. And all great shows. Exactly. Um, other than that, you can follow us on your favorite platform. We're on almost every single... No, not almost. We are on every single platform there is. Yeah, we're pretty sure. Some we don't even know about. <laughs> so, and while you're there, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review mm-hmm. as always. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can uh, follow us on all three. We do different types of things on all of them. Yeah, if you got any questions for us, go ahead and reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're quick to DM. So, And if you would like to support us in another way, you can go over to ProWrestlingTees.com. They have a Black Friday sale this weekend. Get your favorite wrestler t-shirt and get some sweet nerd merch. That's right. And you could also uh, head over to TeePublic. They also have a sale going on this weekend <laughs> for Black Friday. You can go ahead and get your very own Amazing Nerd Show shirt in a variety of colors. Yes, and on a mug. Yes. That's my favorite (laughs) thing to mention. Yes, don't forget the mug. (laughs) All right, you're enjoying the sweet sounds of Greg Brebner. He's our house DJ. You can go ahead and follow him on Instagram and uh, download some free music over on SoundCloud. Um, At the top of the show, that was Them Guilty Aces. Uh, They are a local Chicago rockabilly band. Um, go ahead and check them out. They're playing shows weekly if you live in the area. Um, if not, you can go ahead and check out their stuff over on uh, iTunes. Yes. All right, so next week is going to be our 100th episode. How fucking crazy is that? It's insane, dude. I haven't killed you yet. <laughs> <laughs> but the podcast might. Yes. So, <laughs> speaking of killing and death, we are going to be reviewing Knives Out. And we have some other special announcement. <laughs> Do we have special announcements? Or is that with... uh, We're going to talk about... um, The Patreon? Patreon. That's going to be in January. We're going to release it. We're going to talk about it. And we have some other special announcements in store. Yes, so stay tuned. All right, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that's the Amazing Nerd Show. Arrive hungry. Happy Thanksgiving, Grandma. Did you stop From director Eli Roth. Thanksgiving. You'll come home for the holidays in a body bag. <laughs> <laughs>